you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. I'm Kasim, and I'm here with Michael. Michael Natalin. Michael, always a pleasure. Mate, it's great to be back. I love speaking to you, the Google Ads God. I'm going to quote you on that forever. <laughs> this is our second interview, so that means that people liked you. We could tolerate each other's presence. I, you know, like last time I was actually quite surprised. I thought I actually had to listen back last time. I'm like, oh, we actually spoke about some good stuff. And then the response I actually got from people, I just realized I'm getting a lot of glare in my glasses. I got hundreds of people adding me on LinkedIn just from that interview, had like really positive response. So I think people enjoyed it. And I just want to make sure that when we have our chat today, we just kind of like really throw an atom bomb of like value to them. So get ready, guys. It's going to be good. Yeah. So the last video, if you didn't see it, check it out. I'll make sure to include it in the description of this video. That one had 3,100 views, which is a lot for my channel. Like if I get a thousand views on a video, I know that I did something right. So that one obviously popped off pretty well. I did promote it a bit. I just posted a few times on LinkedIn and on Instagram. So I think I got a bit of my you were most audience, yeah, my audience to have a look at it, mate. So, but I'll say that you've got a pretty big channel now. You're nearly at 10K, which is yeah, amazing. Good work, man. I mean, for a niche like ours, that's not a, I didn't know if we would quite make it that far, but I'm pretty happy about it. Mate, you're posting uh, regularly. You're posting like really high quality in terms of content videos. Like I know I watch them regularly. All the other Google ad specialists always come to the, your videos for like the most up-to-date stuff because a lot of the stuff in the market now being at trainings is very antiquated because it's based on stuff that was working a year ago, two years ago. And like, a lot of those gurus aren't actually up to date or still running an agency. So they're still talking about tactics and strategies from like five or 10 years ago, which to an extent kind of work. But if you're up against killers like you and me, you've got, yeah, you're fucked. Sorry Dude, that's about That's kind of the thing too, is like it really got to a point to where, I mean, you used to be able to, as a business owner, you used to be able to run your own Google ads two years ago for sure. Mm. And then- like it started to just narrow down and narrow down and narrow down. And then I look at what's involved from a strategy perspective. Take technical implementation, put it aside. Just from a strategy perspective, I think it's damn near impossible. And I've always been afraid to say that because I own an agency. So I never wanted to tell people like, oh, you can't do this yourself. I actually wanted to be the opposite. I wanted to say, hey, you can do this yourself. Here's how. And then mm. once you get past a certain point, come hire me. But now I'm kind of like, I don't even think you should do this yourself. Like right. it's just too hard. I was reflecting on this yesterday just because especially the changes in the market. I actually took a note. I just want to say like Google ads has an extremely low margin for error and right. is unforgiving. Like you make one small change, you've spent thousands of dollars. And especially like on some of the clients that you and I manage, like bigger clients, you make a small keyword issue, like change the match for some reason or the settings off you could spend five, 10 K on nothing. Easy. And if you're not yeah. on that, like a hawk, or you don't have like tracking or dashboards to really be on top of that. Like you're cooked. And like, I sent you a few ideas of things we could chat about. Like I hit up a few mates, agency owners, marketing managers before this. And most of them were saying like, what are the biggest mistakes you see in an accounts? And now it's like, well, everything, because like, if you're not like a really sophisticated Google ads, advertiser you're not going to know all the small things and all the small things are the stuff that you talk about or the stuff that our agencies actually implement like people go oh what are the things i need to do and it's like dude like it's asking a surgeon like what do you need to do and it's like there's so many small things that yeah. 
there's not like everyone's looking for the big thing, but there's like a hundred small things and you mess one up and that's everything gone. So there is such a low margin for error I've noticed, which I'm presuming you agree with as well. So I was on a sales call this morning with a gal. Hopefully she never watches this video because I flat out turned down her work. Yeah, I don't end up on a lot of those calls, but this one, Mike, who runs our customer intake, he was kind of on the fence and he was like, hey man, just come up, give a heart check. And the first thing she says to me, or one of the first things is, hey, if I hire you, I want to know that you're not going to make any mistakes. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm going to make all the mistakes. I'm just going yeah. to make them more efficiently than you are. Yeah. But like those folks that like really want to know like, oh, you're going to do this perfectly the first time. No. <laughs> That's not how Google Ads works. Like, I'm not going to make technical errors, but we don't know until we test. And that's no matter how many times I say that, because I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record. You know, it's like, oh, you have yeah. to test. There's no guarantees, whatever. But then I end up on the phone with someone who's like, oh, I've watched all your videos. How long is this going to take? And I'm like, well, yeah. clearly you haven't watched any of my videos because I have no idea. Well, um, there's a def- like, there's an issue there that if you really could do that, you'd be a billionaire. You'd have every client. I've said world, that so many times. And you'd like, be laughing. I knew that I'd be a much wealthier human. I wouldn't and you'd be, be like, running a business that yeah. wasn't advertising. But the other part of that is, is people are being marketed with like the proven strategy, this and this, like everything's going to work. So then when they actually come to an expert and an industry leader like yourself, they expect to get that, like you to be like, yeah, it's going to work. But like, then you're honest with them. It's like going to like the top surgeons. I keep saying surgeons because it's relevant. And yeah. like, you've got like a horrible Basically what something. We do with surgery. And then they Somewhere would never between say between surgery and rocket science. Yeah. Like they would never say to you, yeah, yeah, this will be hundred percent work, hundred percent cure. They know there's like liabilities that come with that. Like even just not even from a marketing perspective, but just like a legal perspective, like there's no way you can ever guarantee it. You can increase the odds and it's just like reducing the downside, but there's no guarantee. Because if there was, you and I would be billionaires on a boat laughing a lot. Yeah. I'd just be buying businesses and running Google Ads for it, which we yeah. also do, like yeah. gotten good enough to where it's all right, let's go play the equity game. But yeah, we're still also, I tell everybody, every marketer is just a failed entrepreneur. Yeah. Stress test this for me. Okay. Anytime you ever run into a digital marketer, bet money. They just failed at something else, probably a couple of other things. Yeah. But the only thing that kept them afloat is I'm really good at this marketing thing. So they yeah, started man. doing that. Yeah. Right. So what was your little journey? I had a couple of them. That's, man, I had so many little businesses. I tried real estate. I had a company that sold purified mercury. I sold hand-knotted rugs, baskets, software, web, like, and then like slowly that bled into my digital marketing. Because Soulite used to be like a full service agency with web. Yeah. Like that was... Essentially, you had eight services. The whole kit and caboodle. I had a green screen studio. We had a videographer and editor on staff. And I was so convinced that we could just be the best at everything. Yeah. It was a nightmare. I remember I had a financial goal in my mind. I was like, okay, once I make X, I'm going to be happy. And I hit X at Solutions 8 when Solutions 8 was its old iteration. And it was the most miserable I've ever been. I was making more money than I've ever made. And I was like, this is awful. Because I have, at the time, I think I only had like 15 or 20 clients, but we were doing really big, robust work. And so the the billables were large, but we were on the hook for everything. Like anything that went wrong in the digital sphere, I got the phone call for every single one of these clients. It was was God awful. And like, that's exactly it. And I've just noticed that from working at agencies myself that when you're responsible for everything, you're never really mastering one thing. Yep. The other thing is I remember watching one of your videos, you'd be like, you'd wake up on a Monday morning being like, I hope the SEO rankings haven't dropped. Like yeah. something that you've got so little influence over unless like you're really pushing the black hat side or the gray hat side. It's stressful, but at least with like Google ads, we can control it. And like, that was another thing I was reflecting on yesterday. Like 
you know, your agency is like a top tier agency in the US, if not the world. I've been doing this for like 10 years. And like, you see the difference. We pick up accounts from other agencies they were once at, or we actually end up like, which you do and I do as well, you white label for other agencies. And it's right. like a lot of agencies are selling something that they can't do. Or when you're picking up an account, I've just worked at agencies that have the client paying the same retainer as every other client, but they've literally just like picked out of a hat. It wasn't a hat. It was just like name one, two, three on like a spreadsheet being like, you get this client. And it was like, there was no insight towards who was the best specialist. There was no insight towards like the budget. It was just pretty much, here's a client, here's someone's business, give it to a junior. We don't care. They learn off their dime, which is horrible at the end of the day. Like if people are paying good money, they should expect to have bloody good person working on it. We don't have access to a certain tier of client. Solutions 8, is Google specific. And there's so many clients that want to write one check to one agency yeah, and have them do definitely. it, which I understand. So like the entire fortune 1000 will never hire me. I have one publicly mm. traded company and true story. Somebody came to us and was vetting our service. And we walked through the whole process with them. It was really annoying too. It was like RFP esque, which I don't I normally don't do, but they were, they came through a referral source, which is the only time I have access to like those higher end clients. Mm. And they ended up telling them, Hey, love you guys, but we're going to go with an agency that we think just has way more polish. And I mean, you can tell, dude, I have no polish whatsoever. I'm like, I'm the antithesis of polish. No, I... Here's the funny part, though, is next thing I know, one of our white label partners goes, hey, we have a new client and sends us all the information on board. Yeah. It's them. It's the people that told us they're going through an agency that is more polished. They just turn around and outsource the work to me and pay 4X for polish. So you're not paying for anything other than $12 croissants in a nice conference room. Yeah. There's no difference. They're all just schlepping their work over to. But I do understand the need to have one source of truth, one person accountable, somebody yeah. who's managing. Before we started this call, you showed me something that was really amazing in terms of the way that you build business intelligence for your clients and the way that you look at the full picture. We don't do that. I look yeah. at Google ads. I'll look at like, we'll play the attribution game, but only because it impacts Google ads. Yeah, you know, but like if somebody starts asking about things like CRO or web presence or content or optimization, it's like, hey, sorry, I'm good at this. And yeah. so- it, you end up in this really weird position. It's very like, pick your poison. Because now that I've niched all the way down, I only get people that are interested in that specific niche. If there is somebody that really wants the full spectrum of services, I never even show up on their radar. Yeah. And you, that's what you want, mate. Because you don't want to be talking or selling stuff or at the end of the day, be responsible for things that realistically you don't want to be. Like I have people ask me about like SEO. I'm like, dude, I've never like, I know a bit of the fundamentals, but I've never talked about it, never sell it, never consult on it because like I could spend that same amount of energy getting five new clients and making 10x the money. Right. It's like some people are just so desperate for all the money that they get like a really small portion of it when you could just like really just focus on what you're good at, get really good at it and then just charge whatever you want and just live the dream. Yeah. Which what is what you guys are doing. But at the same time, it gives people peace of mind that, look, regardless if the campaign works or not, they know that the right person's working on it because you've got the trust and they that really gives them the peace of mind. Like I know I was messaging you last week about it because you had a message, a video on customer experience or like client retention. And like one of the things I'm really big on is like peace of mind. Like people always talk about results, but results are an aspect of peace of mind. Peace of mind includes like results, it includes good communication, insights, and just like showing that you actually care about them. So like when stuff doesn't go well in the whole business, not just on the Google or the advertising side, you're going to be there to support them. And that's why people stay with your agency or stay with your business. Like my, I don't lose clients. 
Like I've had clients for years now and they're paying me good money. It's because they trust me. And I'm sure it's the same with you. It's like when you earn that trust, like a lot of people are just trying to get a sale through the door, hand it off to someone else who doesn't have the expertise. And then they're wondering why they're like the buckets emptying as fast as it's filling up. It's because like, you just don't really care. You're not giving the client that peace of mind that look, I'm looking after you. I'm like making sure you get the results, but I'm communicating in a way for you to know that like everything's okay. It gets to the point with me, my clients don't even respond to me at times. Like we get it, we get it, we're going well. I'm like, no, no, this isn't about <laughs> me saying we're going well. It's reminding you like, this is one part of your business you don't need to worry about anymore because they've got so many things to worry about. So they're paying you to worry for them. Yeah, well, that's it, man. And they're playing, yeah. paying you to blame you for. Yeah. Well, no, there's a lot wrong. of that too. That's what I tell when I'm hiring a client manager, I tell them that I said, you won't hear from anybody unless they're pissed. Yeah. Because when things are going great, then they disappear and they don't respond and they're actually hard to track down. And then as soon as things start going poorly, like we only ever get the call when things are bad. Yeah. Um, which I guess just is what it is. Quick question. And I know we were just talking before about like my business intelligence docs, but then you mentioned the, your, the attributes and stuff. Might just quickly touch on the old, the data and the tracking side now with Google Analytics 4 and the Google Ads tag. So here are my thoughts, mate, and I'd love to get your thoughts. I used to like years ago when I was working agency side, we'd use uh, Google Analytics as the conversion pixel and then push that back into Google Ads just so there was consistency. But recently in working with like a lot of really, really high tier Google ads specialists in the States, just like as friends, we're all just using the Google ads tag now, like its own conversion pixel. The reason why is it captures more data than the analytics one does. And now with Google analytics, UA, the original universal analytics leaving, you're going to need to use either a Google tag or the GA4 tag. And I just don't think the GA4 is up to scratch yet, especially for e-commerce. Like I've noticed with e-commerce, the attribution is significantly different with the Google ads tag versus the Google analytics tag. So Wait, I was wondering like- GA4 has attribution? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, the Google analytics, uh, the original one. But what I'm saying is I absolutely agree with you. It's shocking how much it drops. I mean, here's yeah. my theory. It's something of a- this is supported by the way that Google's rolled out everything that they've ever rolled out. Before they rolled out Performance Max, they made a massive set of changes that had no preface and made us all insane. They made data-driven attribution the default overnight. Then they opened it up customer match to everybody. They removed bid type strategies, broad match, automate, like they made all these changes. And the whole time, and you can see this on my YouTube channel, I was just freaking out. I was like, the world's on fire. We're, they're taking everything away. There's no way out. We're screwed. And then they rolled out Performance Max. And what you saw was clarity. It was like, oh, you couldn't have Performance Max until this was true and this was true yeah. and this was true and this was true. So it, it actually ended up making a lot of sense. And I felt like a total idiot, man, to be honest with you. Like I was embarrassed. I was like, God, I've been sitting here like telling everybody, hey, you know, we're all going to die. There's a cliff coming. But that's the way that it looked because they took this yeah. way, took this way. Too, and they did it inside of a framework where we've never had any other paradigm. And then they gave us Performance Max. And I'm not saying Performance Max is perfect, but I'm saying that the thing that they gave us was a lifeline mm. and, and made all the other feature sets make sense. So take that concept yeah. and put it on a shelf. Here's the way I'd look at, at GA4. It's the reverse. They've given us this empty vessel. And then you can see these big, huge gaping holes where you just know like, okay, feature is going to be plugged in, plugged in, plugged in, plugged in. They can't plug in any of those features until the vessel exists. Yeah. So they have to deploy this first, get it in place. And then it's going to be like, you know what I mean? Like they're going to start bolting shit on. Yeah. 
So I think Google Analytics 4, is at the, as in its current manifestation, is a travesty. Yeah. I think it's going to hurt a lot of especially small businesses if you're not collecting yeah. first-party data. I think it's going to hurt campaign performance. So many people are using Google Analytics tracking and porting into Google Ads. And with the new Google Manif- like it's a catastrophic error. But I actually, and I can't believe that I'm saying this, I think it's going to be better for us long-term because Google is lifting us out of all potential privacy concerns. Yeah. And it's going to be better for Google long-term. Dude, I think what Google has pulled off with the privacy-first initiatives is a freaking masterstroke. They have done nothing, literal zero, to protect people's privacy. Literal yeah. zero to protect people's privacy. And yet, they've made it look like they're doing something. Yeah. And they've rolled out these, these marketing mechanisms that actually are far, far, far more, what would you say? Open for intrusive. abuse. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh my dear God, are you freaking kidding me? We bought this? Yeah. Dude, Performance Max has the most intrusive targeting I've ever seen in my entire life. I can target people with AIDS. Think about that. I can target people with AIDS. I can target people who are cheating on their spouse. How do you know that, Mike? I can target Narcotics Anonymous. It's It's unreal. It's insane. But nobody's talking about it. Is that in terms of like the... Custom targeting inside of Performance Max. You can target people based off the apps that are installed on their phone without restriction. The websites that they visit, the websites they log into, the search terms on their... So there's no in-market audience for AIDS, right? You have to be a little creative. But as long as you're a little, and I don't mean really creative. I mean, it's not like a whiteboard whiteboard session with your team yeah. for four and a half hours. It's 15 minutes of, well, if I had AIDS, what would I be searching for? What would I be looking for? What would I be doing? If I was cheating on my spouse, if I was a, a heroin addict, here are things that are deadly that would yeah. cause people to kill themselves if some people knew. And mm-hmm. I can target according to those things. We'll you know see. what? This is really important. You're saying this. I know we're kind of joking about it a bit, but, but like what? that's this is where the issue does lie. Like I thought you were just talking about like, the in-market or the affinity audiences, which were in Google ads now are like a hundred X more abundant than what was ever available in Google analytics. Like I'm seeing audiences there, but then this next level that you're talking about, like whilst this was possible in the past, like on the display network or even YouTube is like, once you kind of put the whole machine, like you can put all your marketing assets and just target like these types of audiences, it can be quite dangerous. It's, taking advantage of people's search because people do go to Google as like anonymous voice where they can get advice from. It's like going to the doctor without actually like seeing the doctor or it's like seeing, uh, getting advice or seeing a psychologist without seeing them. Like a lot of people before they actually see a doctor or psychologist will start Googling their symptoms. And if you're doing abusive marketing like this, it can be quite dangerous. Now I haven't done that yet, but I might start. No, I'm not going to, I've got none of my clients in that (laughs) field. I could understand. I wouldn't be bringing this up if it was something I wanted to use, right? I'm bringing it up because I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe this is possible. I can't believe nobody's talking about it. And bringing this all the way back with Google Analytics, Google Analytics 4 is tracking more. It's taking mm. more. It's capturing more. Now we can't see it. And that's why everybody's like, oh, it's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they've just turned off a certain level of visibility But as far as what's going to be available and accessible to the advertiser, specifically in terms of Google's ability to predict intent, like it's so now the European Union is actually doing a pretty good job of fighting back at this. GDPR is an abortion of a bill. It's Mm. technically impossible to be compliant, but you'll notice that they're going right at Google Analytics. And man, I can't believe I was a diehard, especially in my 20s. I was a diehard like Ayn Rand reading capitalist, deregulate everything. And now that I have kids, I've peeled myself back a little bit. So I hate regulation in so many ways. I think that it inhibits growth and opportunity, but I do see the need now 
because I have a weapon in my hands and you do too. And mm. I see the need for us to say like, hey, maybe this should have a safety. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was a crazy departure, but that's how I feel about the new Google. No, 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 mate. That stuff's important. Like people come to listen to like these kind of more on the fringe, not fringe, but like these thoughts, because you could watch the filtered down version Google saying on their videos, yeah, everything's good, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like you actually hear about two guys like us running agencies, big clients, understand the data, understand the implication. And like, this is what happens, but no one hears this stuff. So like you just sharing that, mate, was really valuable. So thank you. Because I wasn't even aware of like you could, whilst I knew you could target websites and keywords, I didn't actually kind of think of that kind of like abusive way or Machiavellian or evil way of going about it. So, Well, the thing that you would need to do is as long as your messaging isn't matched to the nefarious targeting. And so I'm trying to think about something that would be horrible. This is just a terrible exercise and I'm probably going to get canceled for this. Yeah. Let's say that I sell vacation packages and I start targeting people that are newly diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Because I believe that you're going to spend more on a heavy vacation because you don't know what tomorrow looks like. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of thing that's now possible and available and accessible. And I I think like the ad liaison Twitter account at Google would say like, no, we would never make that targeting available. And I'm like, please stop lying to us at least at a minimum, because all you need to do is again, just be 15 minutes worth of creative. Like I'm not going to be able to go right at cancer research but I can go one standard deviation yeah. across and they can't stop it. There's no way that anybody could stop it. Yeah. And, and so they that can only stop tracking. it post it's happened. Like they can't stop it before it happens because there's so right. many variables of how people would go about it. But like you said, you could be targeting ads, finally want to start living your life after the recent news you've got. And it's like that none yeah. of that has a keyword. You wouldn't even like, need yeah. to say after the recent news, you would just say yeah. like, hey, is it time to take your dream vacation? Yeah. Or will you ever get another opportunity to go to Ireland? And saying that to me is benign. Saying that to yeah. somebody who's dying of fucking cancer. And, but that's what we're doing. We're, man, I could, you could shift elections. You could change the way people think. Mm. You could influence people. You could indoctrinate folks. Yeah. I feel like you could increase and or decrease the propensity for things like strong systemic prejudice with this type of targeting and this messaging. And yeah. I don't know why. There's been a congressional hearing about Facebook. We dragged Zuckerberg out and we threw him in front of the geriatric morons and we had them answer a bunch of questions. And Google is so much stronger, so much bigger, so much more powerful. And it's like, we're all just like, all right, it's fine. Yeah, but Google still seems like an innocent, just a search engine whilst Facebook has like, it's a social media. It's in a place where people are engaging with and you're like, you're putting like a lot of visual content in their face. A lot of people see Google as just google search not as youtube and all these offsets so i think that's why like this social understanding or perceptions just like oh google they're not that evil you just go into a website and you write i need a new pair of socks and you see socks they don't actually see like the advanced data that we've got access to really like deeply target people especially with these new features now and especially when you've got like the new features like the data driven being rolled out as stock standard conversion tracking you've got more data points now rather than just being last click you've got like millions of data points or it could be like up to five hundred thousand per user yeah and it's like that's just you places that data and can be abused but it can be used well like at the end of the day the product you're selling for your business is good it's a service or it's a good product like that's why it's actually there for good it's only for when people are trying to sell stuff that is just not good stuff yeah well i'm just curious where you got the five hundred thousand data point metric i got that probably three to six months ago i think on i'm not trying to play gotcha journalism by the way here's i'll I'll share my fail point with you and then maybe you and i can calibrate yeah 
on the homepage of Google's YouTube advertising page, Google used to say 72 million demographic and psychographic profiling factors. I actually have a screenshot of this somewhere. So mm. I've been saying that in every keynote presentation that I've ever given. Facebook has 55,000 demographic and psychographic profiling factors. Google has 72 million. Since then, and this might've been two years ago, I can't find it anywhere. It's been stripped. Yeah. And I think Google realized like, maybe we shouldn't say that. Like maybe yeah. we shouldn't like tip our hat. So I've seen some like obscure references to it in other back alley articles, but Google's cleaned it. And outside of like one screenshot I have that could, somebody could accuse me of Photoshopping if they wanted to, I can't find it. So I don't know yeah. if it's 72 million. I don't know if it's 500,000. I don't know what their profiling looks like. Yeah, I think 500,000 was based on like a basic search, like a Google search. So like there's yeah. 500,000 determining factors. So when people think like their ad copy and their keyword bid is like, the be all and end all. It's like, dude, that's like two out of like. Oh, so just in the search ad delivery catalog. Yeah, but I, I know that now because of Performance Max, it's just like things aren't just search anymore. When you're layering, like, even just if you got search and then you layer like an audience on it, like that just increases a, a thousand fold. Right. In terms, every time you layer stuff on or you change the pics, like the, you know, using a Google ads tag and doing data driven, like, I don't even know, mate, but it'd be unlimited at this point. It would almost have to be, right? It's like infinite data. And I know that's, it almost sounds naive to say that, but I don't think it is. If you think about the impact that can happen anytime you change a measurement variable, mm. because with that variable, new information can be created. And the yeah. minute you introduce the fact that new information can be created, now the information truly is infinite. People think about the data that we're collecting on users is like, oh, this is data that goes in an Excel file. That's not what the data is. It's if Michael drinks enough water, then, and now it's like, well, what does that mean for his exercise regimen, his diet, his travel, his shoe size, his, you know what I mean? Like yeah. how often he goes to the bathroom, like these variables that are interdependent against other unknowns. And if I can fill in and or query one of those unknowns, then I can create new data and I can append that to a prospect or a person. So yeah. it becomes four dimensional almost the way that we can look at this. And it's beyond even just what we're searching for. I've like, I've spoke to just some developer friends and this might be a bit of the conspiracy nutters out there. But if you're using Google Chrome, that is a Google product that is scraping your data. So if you're logged in on Google Chrome on like your, your email address and then you're in your searching around stuff, if you go to your bank, no it will question. scrape. It will just scrape how no much question. money you got in your bank account. Yeah. Like they will know. Yeah. Like they're not just getting this, like when you can do the financial tiers in America, top 10%, top 20%. They're not getting that because you're looking at like Louis Vuitton bags. They're doing it because they can scrape data from that. And that would be having third-party data input as well. Dude, the point that you just made, it would be harder to build a product that didn't catalog that data. Yeah. You would actually have to go out of your way because if you think about the way that a browser has to resolve HTML, like HTML is an in-out process, right? It's yeah. like, hey, I have to give you the information and then you have to resolve this information. And then that information is appended to this user. You'd have to go out of your way to not track that data. Yeah. And this is an organization with like the basically, the, effectively the stated of intent of tracking mm. all data all the time for all reasons. The thing is, I'm just going to say this, I'm not 100% sure on that. That's not my opinion. That's what I've been told. So Google, don't come after me. But this is, you know, this is- We're both going to end up lot. dead tomorrow, like yeah. shot in the back of the head and throw ourselves off the- I'm too far away, mate. I'm in Melbourne, yeah. Australia. So like they have to get a boat over here. Like this is the thing. Whilst we're mostly talking about Google ads, this is the Google data set that is at the end of the day going to be used to filter into the Google ads. So like whilst you and I and customers get to leverage it and win from it, 
people need to understand the importance of like how much it can actually like take away from them in terms of their free, like, and you said, like it can swing elections or social prejudices, like this data can be used in ways that whilst we would never use it because we're just like running advertising for businesses spending 10K to 500K a month, we're not going to be using this for like political elections. So it's like, it doesn't impact us, but a lot of people, there are opportunities there for it to be abused. So don't do that. Yeah. That's my PSA. So I'm going to get us back on track and I'm the one that got us off track. So forgive me, but you've got... You've got a badass give here, this one-page performance max guide. Yeah. And if you're watching this, Michael has prepared a gift for our community. I don't let anybody on the channel unless I'm like, look, you got to give something huge. And so we've got this one-page guide, and you can download the one-page guide by visiting the link in the description. There's no cost, right? Nah, never, never. But gotta give for free. Give. Yeah, give. I'm of the same opinion. Your approach to performance max is different than my approach to performance max. Yes. And so okay, let's put on thinking, the boxing gloves, mate. Let, that's what I was gonna go. say. Like, let's let's let's, let's fight this out. And for our for our listeners and our watchers, because this is converted to a podcast too. And I don't know if you know that. I'll be the first one to say that nobody knows. Like, yeah. what Google says to do is wrong. We know that. That's the one thing maybe we do know. Yeah. Is generally speaking. But then, like, as far as best practices, what we've done is we've gotten together with our team and said, like, all right, what have we seen so far? And generally speaking, what are the rules? And I imagine you've walked through a very similar intellectual exercise. Yeah, definitely. So. This is based off of what we've seen. So I'm going to start poking holes, okay? And then you fight back. Okay. Have a, have right. a this. Before you poke holes, yeah. let me just start off with the problem with performance max is no one knows what works. The other challenge I've faced is I'm getting people ask me a lot about it. And I realized there's a lot of content out there, but it's kind of like, for example, you are posting so much value, but that's valuable to me as an mm. advertiser. If you've just got the stock standard marketing manager or someone running their own e-commerce brand, it can be quite overwhelming. Oh, and serious. like a lot of the time, it's not like your stuff's like the, when you do the 80, 20, yours is like the top 10%, they'll get you more, but most people can't even get like that top 80 to 90%. So why I did this, this is not like a be all and end all. This is what I do. It's more like, if you were just trying to set this up, just do this and just like trust that this will work. And then if you need optimization, you either speak to yourself, myself, or someone else. But like, if you're just wanting to get into this without being overwhelmed with like the abundance of articles and videos, it's like, that's why I call it the one page guide for like beginners, because it really is just for someone who's like, I want to set this up before smart shopping's done. I just want it done in like a really simple way that I know it's set up in a way. So I'm not worried or stressed about it. So yeah. I know that's that you and great. John are absolute and just like maestros of the advance and the real granularity, which is so important for a lot of clients. But most people at the end of the day just need it set up and they're getting caught like, oh, should I be segmenting things out? It's like, no, just set it up, follow these best practices, let it run for the time that I recommend. And then if you need advanced segmentation or based on the data, that's when you go to the next stage. This is a good that's, scaffolding. That's where it starts from. This isn't like what I do. This is where I start with clients or this is what I recommend. Yeah, this is PMAX 101. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly it. PMAX 101 for beginners. You, we're operating at like 302, but this is 101. And on the guide, you say for e-com. So this isn't necessarily for lead gen. Yeah, definitely. So I, just out of transparency, I've only run PMAX on e-commerce businesses. I've done it. <laughs> it just well, means that your life has been so much easier and better. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Mate. This is really, yeah, that's the other thing. This is for e-commerce. I've done a little bit for like some clients on PMAX for lead gen. This was in the early days. It didn't click. They were very sensitive to cost per lead. So I just had to turn it off before 
like it started blowing out. I know you guys use it for your clients for lead gen. Not with consistent success. Yeah. It's very much like we have a couple of clients where it's the most amazing thing that we've ever seen. And yep. it's what gives us hope. But then we have clients where I didn't realize how much of Google's traffic was bought in click form. And mm. buying a product requires a catalytic event that can't be spoofed, which means they give you money. Yeah. Filling out a form, scheduling an appointment, downloading a lead, lead magnet, all that shit can be spoofed. And I saw a study, I posted a video on this that said that like 70 to 80% of the traffic that people are seeing, this was a, this was a university study, by the way, I think York yeah. University, 70 to 80% of the traffic they saw was either bot or click form traffic, which I had no idea that Google had that problem until we started running PMAX yeah. for lead gen specifically. Yeah. Because it works no matter what. But then you get to the other end and it's like, oh, these leads are horrible. So we have some tricks like raising the bar, but there's no guarantee. Yeah. I'd love to hear some more about that, maybe on one of your videos, but let's jump back to the, the PMAX guide because I know you just showed me before you guys are going to be releasing your own one. So you wanted to show me your one to let me know that- I'm not stealing from yours, yeah. So here's, the gloves are on now. And my yep. job here is to see if I can make Michael cry. You say set up one performance max campaign, which I absolutely agree with. Yep. Don't set up dual campaigns unless there's a very strong strategic reason to do that. But then you say one asset group. Yeah. And that's my first arrow is what we're telling people is you need one asset group for every product category times every audience. So if mm. you have five product categories and five audiences, you need 25 asset groups at a minimum. So yeah. Yeah, mate. Well, once again, like when I set up for clients, I'm definitely doing more than that. But a lot of the time, if people are like, I've had clients and I was, this is why we hooked up this chat. I was just messaging about some of the updates. I've got clients who have gone from 20K in revenue for like, before they started working with me, they were making 4K in revenue. With smart shopping optimization, we got to 20K. And just with like this smart shopping thing, not smart shopping, performance max, we got them to 50K. Ad spends the same, return on ad spends higher. Now, whilst this advanced segmentation can be great for, different types of businesses. I'm just trying to think of the person who's watching this, who's only spending two to 15K a month. Simplicity is key. I, I always believe that the more you segment, the more you need to manage. The more you may need to manage, the less likely you're going to manage it. So it's about like really balancing the scales. Cause like at the end of the day, there's still a human requirement. I have a client that I was messaging about that's gone from before I was working with them making 30K and when we're on smart shopping within a few months are up to 80K. Now it's performance max. They did 100K and this month they're tracking for 120K from e-commerce, same ad spend. So the return on ad spend has gone from, it was 20K ad spend. So it's gone from 40K. So it's 200% to like 80K, 400%. And now it's up to nearly tracking to 120K this month. Same ad spend, same strategy. And that one as well is just one campaign, one asset group. No way. So like the thing is with that one, it's been running for about two to three months. So it has a, an abundance of data in there as well. Like the reason why in the section at the bottom, I say optimization is just like, leave it for like three to four weeks. I try to leave it for like six to eight weeks. If I can, if something's going really wrong, I'll get intervene. But like, I need to trust that the algorithm is working because it always has for all of my e-commerce clients. You just got to give it enough time. We've never seen Performance Max not work for an e-com client that had a performing campaign outside of PMAX. Yeah. So out of curiosity, the client that you talked about that had one asset group, one campaign, scaled up to 120K, 
were they previously performing instead of smart shopping or standard shopping? Yeah, they were, but they're only getting like a 350, 400% return on ad spend, which for them, their goal was before we took them on, their goal was 200%. So we already doubled it. Now we've like tripled it. So it's just like, it's definitely getting more out of what's there in the market. Yeah. Now the any, thing is, I wish I could tell you why. Returning customers, just out of curiosity, have you seen? Don't have that data. Yeah. And the reason I bring it up is because we've seen Performance Max does way better with new customer acquisition, but it's really bad at the remarketing game that smart shopping mm. used to play. So that's interesting. All right. I'm going to keep going. You say high quality creative, add images and videos. Great note. Are you using the Google created videos? Have you yeah, tested those? Uh, for some clients? Like that's one of the issues with like a lot of clients is they just don't have the assets. So that's something that I need to like really start to push on them because when you're making this much money and you're getting a great return from those Google videos, you're like, fuck, if I just had like a better video, we could have made an extra 10 or 20K this month just from like small things like that. Yeah. So most of the time it is yes, unfortunately. I'd hate to say that as like a sophisticated marketer, but it's like, that's all I can do at the moment. I'm a Google ads guy. I'm not a videographer. No. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to get into the creative game either. We've been testing Google's videos against the client creative videos and Google's videos are winning. Yeah, my, well, that's the thing. It's like a lot of them are going well. That's the problem. Yeah. It's just like, how is this happening? We have clients that have like invested real money, like well into the six figures for dynamic media creation. And then we test that against Google's mm. PowerPoint presentations and Google's presentations. Are win- I think I know why that is, but it's an interesting thing to see. Why wow, do you think it's a bit of like a pattern interrupt? Like it's so bad that people notice? No, maybe that could be it too. I think it's a technical issue, actually. I think it's a distribution. I remember responsive search ads had 30% more reach than expanded mm, text ads. Yeah. And the responsive search ads were easier for Google to distribute. Because if you think about Google's inventory, just practically speaking, it's based off of size, placement, distribution, yeah. proportions. So if your video is scaled to like 16 by nine or whatever, Google can only ever put it in a 16 by nine window. It yeah. can't crop, it can't edit. A Google created video can be placed literally anywhere. So if expanded text ads had 30% more reach, I think the Google created videos could have like 10X yeah. more reach. So I think it just has to do with Google's ability to place that inventory, which means as more people adopt Pmax, I actually think that performance will go down because yeah. the inventory will become more sparse and more expensive. Definitely. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that why like this is a lot of our results that we're achieving is also like first to market gains. Also, yeah. whilst we're also learning with the algorithm being very off, like the smart shopping years ago was horrible. Now smart shopping is like amazing, but like everyone's capitalizing. <laughs> smart shopping is the best. Let's sunset it. Yeah. And then, yeah. so it's the same here. Like we're just, we're getting cheaper media now, which is amazing. Like media buying is more cost-effective. Obviously the cost per click on the cost for a YouTube viewer display banner click is cheaper than a Google search. But at the same time, if it's the data showing it overall, the average is cheaper, which means you get higher returns. Yeah. I've got a a buddy. He's in a mastermind with me. He does personal injury attorneys. He says he's getting 50 cent cost per clicks. Yeah. I remember you saying that when the cost per click is. Let me do I If I didn't know, if he wasn't in war room, I wouldn't believe him. I'd be like, there's no way. It's insane. Goal and bid strategy, maximize conversion value, not maximize conversions which egg on our face, we were telling people maximize conversions Mm. because it was an easier goal, but it proved more difficult to optimize once the campaign performed. Yeah. But you're saying set a target row at. Kind of like an asterisk there. Yeah. 
if I launch a can, this is just me. This is once again, this is for the 101 person who just needs to sure. get something set up. I'll set up a PMAX campaign to say maximize conversion value. And then I'll let that data come in for three to four weeks to benchmark it. And then I'll set it. If that's not working, I'll actually usually do maximize conversions because I'm like, just get the sales. Right. Just get it. I don't care how much. Just get some data that we've got some data points on it. The reason I just put target rice in there is at least you just got a bit of control there. If, I, we didn't know this. Somebody in the Google advanced team told us that if you don't set a target ROAS, Google automatically sets it for you 200%. Is that written anywhere? Or is that just like a bit of a... <laughs> like everything that they do, there's like, yeah, well, what was weird is it used to be, I think it used to be 150% and then they changed it. So if you yeah. don't apply a target, if you don't apply a ROAS, then Google sets a minimum of 200%. Okay. So what I like to tell people is, especially for like consumables, heavy retention, high LTV, if you're breaking even, you're making money. So if, you're, yeah. if your ROAS can be below 200%, then set it lower. Mm. But I don't like a ROAS because I feel like it limits learning. I want the machine, yeah. especially in the early stage, I want it to just go out and like figure things out. I agree there. And that's why like, but the, the other challenge is I've got some clients that we launch PMAX and it just kind of gets like a result that's like, if we're getting 400%, it will deliver like 130. I'm like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. What the so hell like, I need to like actually go like, yo, you've got a job to do here. I'm just not letting you like do whatever you want. This is more just once a 101 recommendations. The thing is well, you got to use your brain here. You don't put argument. in a thousand percent if you're not getting 150%. Right. I think the argument that you could make where I would concede the ground is when we don't put a T-ROAS, it's because we're observing a machine. We're actually planning on optimizing. If you're just building a campaign to play, set it and forget it because you are building your very first PMAX campaign, then a T-ROAS is going to protect you from some pretty expensive mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Once again, this is for the business owner, marketing manager who just needs yep. to do it themselves. Like this is the dummy's guide to just setting up a PMAX campaign, like click, 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 click. Okay, I'm done. I can just chill. I've set my budget, get on with it. So the value bombs you drop for the ad creative, I think are freaking awesome. This yeah. is, I'm probably going to go share this. Oh yeah. And so the other time. thing about ad creative is like my partner, she's an outstanding designer. She helps me with this stuff. Like you've got to invest in like good creative now and you do want your assets to stand out because like if you don't have high vibrant, oh, that's in the next part down. But I'm just talking about that because you mentioned about the ad creative. High intent creative will be what stands out. So you just can't be like, oh, I've got like, I've done all these settings and just upload a few photos. You really need to make sure that the creative you're inputting to the machine is actually great because that's what the human sees. That's what the human clicks on. Mm. Some of this stuff you're putting in for Google, some of it you actually got to put in for the for, human yeah, at the end of the day. We're having a hard time with clients that don't have lifestyle images for that reason. Yeah. A product images is still a product image. You want a person using the product. That's great. Last section, optimization. Don't make any changes for three oh, do We didn't talk about the middle section. Dev, copy, and signals. I got the creative. Oh, I was looking at all three of those. Those are creative yeah. bullets. Audience signals. Start simple using basically your existing customers is the way it looks yeah. like all website traffic past purchase conversions card abandonment customer list the reason i like this is because performance max an audience target is a very polite suggestion and then it's going to go off on its own yeah. and so you're saying start right in the center of your nucleus and then let google expand yeah i think the other reason i said that is it's so easy to everyone put their creative hat on and says like oh i'll just look at all these random in market audiences and then they're just like shoving data into the machine that they don't actually have any past data to recommend. Maybe if you jump into Google Analytics and you can actually have a look at your in-market audience or affinity audiences and see the revenue that's attributed to it, you can 
use that and port it across. But a lot of the time, it's just like put your own first party or first party data in like website traffic, previous client purchases. So at least the quality is to a certain extent. So then when Google starts looking around, they're looking for people who are like these people. Once mm. you start chucking things like people who are interested in cashew nuts, because I sell nuts, it's like, yeah, but you could have someone who likes beer or someone who's like a hiker. Like they're very two different things. So you really want to like focus on your own data first. Once again, in the future, you can always do the advanced stuff, optimize, segment out, but like just to start off with, just keep it simple. Yeah. Well, if you have one asset group too, I think that's really sound advice is yeah. you're right down. It's smack dab in the middle of your target. The thing is, I would love to say, oh, you got to do all these things and make it sound so advanced and crazy. But like the data that I consistently see is like when you start off like this, it goes well, and then you can start to optimize and segment out. Yeah. And it gives you somewhere to go. Yeah. And it's garbage in, garbage out. Like if you're putting garbage data or data points in, you're only going to get a certain amount out. But if you're only putting like good quality, high intent data, high intent shopping feed that you're using, high intent creator, that the machine is starting with its best opportunity. It's like giving a child like good education and good nutrition that like in its life, it's got more of a probability of having a good life. I'm an American, Michael. We don't do either of those things. So Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Trigger, trigger warning, guys. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just pissed off half of my constituency. Yeah. Optimization. I've noticed that you spelled optimization with an S. Oh, cool. Was- I think I, there's also a, a Z or a Z as I call it in Australia. Yeah, I was just- I think there's two together. ways we spell it. Yeah. Do you do y'all do color with an O-U-R? Yeah. Okay. That's Yeah, I feel like that's so much- And we drive on the left side of the road and we have to vote. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to vote? Is that true? Yeah. Compulsory voting? Yeah. I'm actually glad we don't have compulsory voting here. Yeah. Optimization, the most crucial part. Don't make any changes for three to four weeks. Is that the initial build out or is that the optimization schedule? That's like once you've set this up and you put all the right, you put your budgets in, you've got all the assets, just leave it. It's just pretty much just like, just leave it. This is the biggest thing. People set this up, but they don't actually know when they should start making changes or not. Is it a day, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? Like I've had to set myself a rule like three to four weeks. And a lot of the time, the results, the amazing results come from like six to eight weeks, which you guys are recommending in that doc that you've showed me. Yep. It's like, this Ours is really just more of like- Plus your conversion lag. Yeah. And this is the thing. This is, this is a rule to stop the human messing up the machine. Yeah. It's like the machine will do its job, but like the marketer's ego or the someone who's like, I don't know if this is working, the reactive person will go in and start changing budgets will start changing like cost per like the ROAS goals or like changing goals that then it's essentially just like ruining the algorithm well you reset it and then you're right back where you started yeah and that's the thing it's like how do you sell it because right now we're basically saying hey give me money I'm going to build this thing and then I'm not going to do anything and then six weeks from now I'm going to do another thing like how are you articulating that to clients it's well with like the data and the dashboards like if you're starting to get the results and you're just communicating regularly and you actually just set the expectation yeah it takes about like we front load the work we're like i always say to clients we act fast on new strategies and ideas and we're slow to make the next decision so if we need execute an account we do it today or tomorrow and then we give it 14 to 21 days just on even a standard or other campaign just to get data because I need, we always need time. So it's just about saying like, look for this, you just need a bit more time. That's how it is. I show other client data or just like snapshots or just case studies and they go, okay, 
Like it's just, once again, it's that peace of mind thing. Like knowing that I've got the experience or you got the experience, we've got data to support it. And you just communicate clearly and directly. It's not that hard to sell. Because mm. if they trust you, they're going to trust you full stop. Yeah, that's well said. You're just like, nah, bro. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what? I think it might be. I think it might be a communication issue within my CM team because we're hyper communicative. We have the yeah. three C's at, at Solutions 8 and I'm obsessed with communication. And our team is used to being able to deliver activities as updates. Yeah. And so the goal is to communicate with the client once a week at a minimum for lower spends and then twice a week up to daily for high spends. And now the CMs are like, well, what do we say? Because you're basically like, hey, we're still watching. We're still waiting. We're still whatever. And it's a paradigm shift where instead of this, these are the optimizations we made. Because I mean, old school campaigns, you were truly in there daily for a high spend campaign, or at least every three days at an absolute minimum. And there's search term reports and keyword additions and geographic expansions or whatever. And now it's, here's what we're seeing. Yeah. And that paradigm shift is the thing that, I think for new clients that are coming on, we've done a really good job managing expectation. But you've got clients that have been with you for years. I have clients that have been with us for years that are used to seeing like, oh, three days ago we did this. And now it's like, we're not doing anything. Yeah. And, and what's really weird about that is there's more work. Not only are we yes. not doing anything, but it's actually harder because I have to monitor, notate, plan, ideate, figure out how all this is going to go in. And then we do our optimizations in three-week sprints. So- yeah. I don't know. I could use yeah, your help. With how that, that, it is just a change in communication of going from what updates and optimizations to insights. And like I was saying, like last interview and this one, like when clients start paying you more, they're not paying to go like, oh, I push these buttons. They, they want to know insights. So if you've got an e-commerce client with 10,000, 50,000 SKUs, you might go, look, we've launched this PMAX campaign and we're already noticing that these types of products or these product types are getting more the data in analytics is suggesting, or even if those insights are available in the insights tab of certain audiences, you can start just giving updates. Hey, we're noticing that PMAX is actually delivering these products more. The products that usually deliver very well aren't yet. So we, in the next few weeks, we're going to, if they don't sell, we'll start to segment them out. Because at the end of the day, you've still got to like align PMAX with the company's strategy. And if they've got like a high selling product or range that's not selling, you'll need to segment that out its own. Right. So when PMAX, it's funny because somebody called us the other day, they called us the Performance Max Agency now, which I don't want that to be the case. Well, I think that's how it's coming across, mate, because of all the videos. Second bullet point is you already touched on it. It's the insights tab, which by the way is yeah. a miracle of PMAX. Like it's a gift from baby Jesus. I can't believe we have it. It's so cool. Yeah. Anything yeah. Like I've, I've, I've found when we get to the advanced side of like the optimizational segmenting out, I might even just have a catch-all products and then just segment out based on one audience or in market that they've recommended. And let's just say I've got a client that's getting 450% ROAS or 500%. If I segment this out based on like a month's worth or two months worth of like inside data, that audience when it's split out will actually get to six or 700%. So that's when like when the segmentation works really well. It's like when you've got like this one data source one asset group getting like your high quality data coming in running for a while. And then when you've actually split got like, yeah, and then you split it out and then it just keeps growing on itself. A lot of the times people just get too sold on the idea of segmentation before they have the data. Like I've worked at agencies that used to do the SCAG model or do all this crazy stuff. And it's like, you don't even know what keywords convert. Just put them in like themed ad groups 
get the data and then you start splitting out. But so many people want to segment before they get the data. And then they spent like 90% of the time in the client's money on stuff that didn't work. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, Google doesn't want to serve like segment two segmented out stuff from the start. Yeah, that's an interesting insight. I feel like Google's blue sky is exactly what you're saying is that we would launch a campaign unencumbered, no targeting, and then just follow their insights. Yeah. So step three is expansion is in market audiences. Man, I'm obsessed with Google's custom audiences. Have you played with that yeah. at all? Yeah. It's unreal sick. just how, how deep it dives. That's the only other place on this whole doc that I'd fight you on is before in market, I like custom. Yeah. Um, depending on the client, I guess. This is for beginners. Just remember. Yeah. For the beginner. <laughs> yeah. No, you do a good job reminding me that. And then yeah. step four, this is exactly what we teach. When you're ready to boost your budget, it's 10 to 20% target row has increased per week, 10% budget per day, or 10, I guess ours is a little bit different than that. It's 10 to 20% budget week over week. And mm. so you're doing a 10% budget per day or 10 to 20% target row has increased per week, depending on whether or not we're going for scale or performance. Yeah. That makes sense. The goal at the end of the day is like, regardless of what the ratios are when you do it is baby steps. Don't go from a hundred to $500 overnight, or don't go from 200% ROAS to 500%. Cause like that's unrealistic. The other issue is like, you need to figure on your goal is your goal scale or return on ad spend or like profitability. Cause so many people go, I want scale and profitability. And whilst that does happen for some businesses, some of the times, a lot of people just go like, let's just say the old version of like, cost per acquisition on lead, they're getting $50 lead and they're like, oh, we need more leads. I'll give you another 10 grand. And they expect like X amount more. But you're like, no, no, there's like a increase in costs. Cause when you start scaling more, you're not getting the same type of traffic. You're going to have to go after more broader keywords. And it's the yeah. same here. Like if you're wanting to scale this, then you run the risk of return going down and just not getting the same results. So it's like, that's why you got to baby step it. So you're not like disturbing the algorithm overnight. Well, and it's self-imposed inflation too, because as you scale, as you spend more, you're spending more into this ecosystem, which means you're causing the traffic to be more expensive, yeah. especially if you have one other competitor, Yeah, you probably have more, but if you have one other competitor, then it's this one plus one equals three race to the top. Yeah. This is awesome, man. So if people want to download this, you can go to marketlead.com.au forward slash PMAX. Yep. Link in the description of the video. You're Michael Natalin. How do people yep. follow you? I'm on LinkedIn. I, I post on LinkedIn. I keep it pretty simple. My agency is a referral only. So I don't really do any outbound marketing or advertising. I just jump on here, have a chat with you or post some stuff on LinkedIn. So that's it. You can go to my website, but it's pretty bare bones. I only got one up just so I could actually launch this ebook. So <laughs> the last thing, mate, is I know we chatted prior was I had a few questions that people tend to ask me. And I thought we could just quickly do like a last minute value bomb on like those quick questions. Is this the like Google sheet in the email? Yeah. I reckon uh, we could quickly snap through them in like five minutes. What do, you, what do you reckon, mate? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's the biggest or most common mistake you see in the accounts you take over? Do you want to go first or I can go? It's conversion tracking. Yeah, mate. 100%. Yeah. Conversion yeah. tracking. And once that's like done, it's just like rubbish traffic being at improper settings or just like weak negative keywords or just improper keyword setups. But yeah. the conversion tracking is, I just picked up a client that was spending 10 to 20K a month and this they no one was managing it for six years because their art last agency went out of business and 
like their goals were just smart goals. I'm like, there was no conversion tracking. Mm. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So obviously yeah. I took on the client. We're spending about, yeah, 10 to 20 K all the tracking set up, dynamic call tracking lead forms. And that only took me like half an hour just through GTM, but geez, like it is one of the biggest issues. And even if people are tracking, the tracking's done properly wrong or incorrect. Well, anytime I see somebody who's done it themselves and they mess up tracking, I find that forgivable. What infuriates me is when I see it from agencies. Yeah. There are great, big, massive $100 million valuation agencies that we've taken the campaigns over and their conversion tracking was, it was a train wreck. Yeah. I think the issue there is a lot of people, they see Google ads as its own thing and tracking as a separate thing because it's more development. It's like, if you just learn GTM in 20 minutes, you can set up all the tracking at hundred percent for any type of business. Yeah, it's not that hard. Anyone at Chris Mercer's course, we don't do technical implementation. All their plumbing, like we'll give them a punch list. If they want us to do it, we charge them more than it's worth because I don't want the work, yeah. but it's not hard. It's just tedious. Yeah. Second one, the common misconceptions about Google ads. I reckon the biggest one I'm noticing now is like, there's a bit of sentiment in the market that Google ads is too expensive or it doesn't work. It doesn't work because there's a lot of people doing it who aren't good at it. They do it like they I know so many web developers who just do it because they need to get some income after their sale. I, I just think the mismanagement of it has made people lose trust on it and that it's expensive. Yeah, it is expensive because it works. Like I've got clients that get 10x ROAS on like they spend or like make millions of dollars just from the lead gen. Like it's expensive because it works. Yeah. I like, what are your uh, thoughts? Workflows to the competent. I think the biggest misconception about Google ads now is click to purchase. People think that when someone clicks, they're going to buy. Yeah. And if yeah. they click and they don't buy that for them is a disconnect. And that was probably true five, 10 years ago, but now yeah. a click is an introduction to a brand and Google's operating off of a 500 click paradigm. Yeah, that's great. Based on the accounts you've inherited, what are the easy setting changes you always spot and dress first? Oh, like the settings, like just come down to just things like turning off the automatic extensions, turning off auto ad writing, making sure keyword types are right. What are some of the other ones? Like turning off display network on this when you're doing search ads. I'm just trying to think. Some stock <laughs> display here. with search, I think, is hysterical. Yeah. The auto apply is a really big one for us, obviously. And Google's so sneaky about where they house all that BS. Yeah, man. And it's uh, so hard to opt out of it as well. Like you just can't press opt out. You've got to give a reason. It's like you're just trying to put barriers of friction between well, me they and they re-enable actually. it have you noticed that that every every no. six months they, it'll click back on it with I, campaign upgrades or whatever we've seen it to where i know for mm. a fact because all of our legacy clients we'd opt out of everything and then you'd have a i don't know what any massive upgrade and you go back and they've re-enabled some of these automatic updates yeah yeah biggest changes to google ads in the last 12 months and where's it all heading I reckon just pmax like i think the last chat we had was i was pretty much on the like i said I love the old ways of doing doing Google ads because what worked two years ago worked five or 10 years ago. Like everything's changing now. We're coming to like a data signal point first rather than keyword first. So like when you got shopping campaigns, even search campaigns are using other things more than just the keyword. So I think it's moving beyond that. So quality data is going to be the most important thing. That's where I say it's going. Yeah, the keywordless future. What do you think could kill Google? Where does Google get usurped? I think it may be just like by an antitrust legislations, mm-hmm. like being like breaking down their monopoly. I don't really foresee a competitor coming up because even the next competitor isn't as big like Microsoft ads or Bing, sorry. 
like it's just too part of like the human experience now just to google stuff the other thing that was quite interesting i was expecting this to come out was uh, apple was there's rumors they're going to do a search engine and make a default on apple safari so on the phones which google pays one to six billion dollars to be the default on iphones so potentially apple could come out with their search engine that could be if they're half the world's phones that's half the market that's been robbed from them mm. and then especially with like apple like really doubling down on data privacy it might like really rob google from that data that's everyone's been able to capitalize on yeah the the apple search engine is going to be interesting i've been betting on apple rolling out their own ad network forever and they haven't yeah. done it yet. they um, will mate yeah i have no doubt i've got time <laughs> for one more and then i've got daddy duty yeah, nice. you pick which one's your favorite mate you pick one it's yours choice you talk about youtube ads what industries does it work well for and when it doesn't, when have you got it to work? And I'm asking because <laughs> YouTube ads are, they're the thing that make the least sense for me in Google ads. Yeah. In terms of like predictability and reliability. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's yeah. always, generally I've got a pretty good sense. It's like, oh, okay, I think this client's going to work with any other campaign type. And YouTube is always, if I'm surprised or just knocked off my horse, it's yeah. always YouTube. This is an interesting thing that I reckon we, if we both master, this could be a game changer. YouTube ads is probably the most underutilized, but biggest ad network that is just not tapped into. Mm. So people go to YouTube as much as they go on Google, like from billionaires to just everyday per people. Like it's, it's a universal place. It's not like Facebook or Instagram where it's people in an account. You can just go there. I think it's been exploited by internet marketers, but I don't think many businesses are utilized or like big businesses like HelloFresh or whatever, but it's not being used by the everyday business. Cost of traffic or cost of views on it is really cheap still, but the barrier to entry is like creative and like people just don't want to create it. In terms of it working, like the only times I'm really seeing it work for a lot of my clients is just like retargeting campaigns. Mm. Like, yeah, it does very few. Like I'd love to say, yeah, I can build out these half a million dollar like YouTube campaigns that like deliver this X ROAS or return on leads. But the only time I hear people having success is when the brand's already known or the personal, like the personal brand, if it's like a motivational speaker, like people know who they are. It's really hard when you're just coming out of the gates cold. That's what I think. Like, what are your thoughts on YouTube ads? I think that YouTube is a slow burn. It takes time. It takes money mm. because you're, you're, it's not intent-based. Everybody thinks, oh, Google's intent-based, so YouTube should be intent-based. And even though somebody has an intent when they're visiting a piece of content, their intent isn't to, it's not commercial. Yeah. And so I've seen people be really successful with hyper top of the funnel offers. Pedro Adeo was a client for a long time, challenge guy. And we got a ton of people to opt in on challenges from YouTube. The CPL yeah. was still 5X what it was on Facebook, but it was really damn good CPL for YouTube. But if your offer isn't crazy top of the funnel, if you have a bottom of the funnel offer, then you need way more time. Yeah. So it's kind of an X and a Y axis and you get to decide where it is that you land on that axis. But I've noticed, and, and so I've got a buddy, you know, Alric Heck? No. He's the YouTube guy. You've, you've seen his face. He looks 12 years old. He's like, he's one of the most successful marketers on the planet. He owns, I forgot the name of his business, but he's the YouTube guy. Like he's the YouTube ads, beat Facebook ads every time. Oh, anyway, no, I don't. Well, I'll have to look it up afterwards, mate. Alric teaches people how to run YouTube ads, but he teaches a micro spend model. I've never made YouTube ads work on a micro spend ever, yeah. ever. Like if you don't have yeah. 10 grand a month plus, don't touch YouTube because you have yeah. to carpet bomb an audience. Yeah. Well, the, the thing at the end of the day, it's easy to sell a course and say you can do it. It's like, 
when it comes to the execution, like, yeah, you might have some clients and outliers that do it, but like, what's the average client achieving? That's what I always look at. Like, what's the average client achieving? Not what's like your top 1% client. And then with a lot of these like courses, it's like, it hasn't been refined enough yet that the average person can get consistent results. Like Google search, you can, can get consistent results regardless of business. Mm. I just think some of the other business, like other advertising channels just don't have that yet. Yeah. I think you're right. Nice, I got a jet. Man. I know you got nice, a jet. Nice, mate. Yeah. I appreciate your time, man. Let's do it again. Dude, this um, is good. Thanks for the time, mate. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan, a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's S-O-L-8.com. S-O-L, the number 8.com.